I want to give out a content warning since there will be mentions of death and suicide. There are no specific details of the suicide or any details at all, really, of the suicide. It just mentions it. But this entire episode is about grief. So there will be a lot of mention of death. If this is not something you want to listen to, feel free to listen to any other episode that better suits your listening needs. Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome back to the Mental Magic Podcast. And more importantly, welcome to the beginning of season two. I hope you guys had a great new year and I hope you guys are going to continue to have a good year this year. I am super happy to be back. I am super excited to talk about grief and allow you guys in a little into what I've been going through for the past almost, what, two years now? Um, I did start school back on the 13th of January, and so far, it seems like it's going to be a manageable semester. Uh, the material will be hard to memorize, but they're actually like subjects that I'm interested in, so I don't think it'll be too painful. Hell, I might even get something higher than just passing. Who knows? This is my second to last semester, and I am so excited to finally be seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. It's almost over. This journey is finally coming to an end, and I'm so excited. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I love learning, but having to be forced to take classes I don't give a shit about or are just a huge waste of time because I'm going to end up having to google shit I don't know anyway and then I have to pay for those fucking glasses yeah that's it's the main annoying part of college it's that unnecessary torture and it's expensive as fuck luckily I won't be graduating with as much debt as a lot of my other friends or like my sisters um a lot of people i know it's still bullshit man i shouldn't have to pay for fucking school but anyway i'm excited to graduate class of 2025 woo! along with going to school full-time i am also in the process of looking for a part-time work from home job um I would prefer it to be in healthcare considering that's the industry I'm graduating in, but I might settle for another opportunity if it's a good one. I'm actively applying for scholarships and grants um, and I'm gathering like certificates in shit that I can put on my resume, like certifying myself in like Excel and Microsoft and shit. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to do anything I can to, like, make myself noticeable to employers. Man, it's hard out here for a person with no kids. I can only imagine all of you out there with one, let alone more than one. That shit's, that shit's wild. So, like I mentioned earlier, uh, this week's episode is about grief. I, along with many people I know have dealt with grief in one way or another. Grief has been 
a part of my life since I was seven years old when my first and only friend died, my grandma. I was a pretty solitary kid. I am the youngest of four girls and my two oldest sisters uh, are super older than me. And at the time, you know, they were living their own lives. And the sister I have that's closest in age with me is still seven years older than me and absolutely fucking hated me when we were kids. So I was alone a lot. My grandma primarily lived in Mexico, but she loved to come to the States. So I saw her quite a bit. She stayed with us a lot and I spent majority of my time with her when she wasn't with my mom. And she taught me a lot. I've mentioned in previous episodes that she taught me a lot about brujería or witchcraft and healing and energies and all of that good stuff. <laughs> uh, she was a curandera in her pueblo in Mexico and she was really great at what she did. She passed a lot of it down to my mom and my mom taught me a lot of her version of the things my grandma taught her. But above all the things that she taught me, um, she actually listened to me. My parents were often way too busy or too tired from being so busy. And honestly, by the time they had me, they were so beyond tired and sick of parenting. So, I mean, I get it. Now, I don't know if my grandma saw how lonely I was and pitied me or if she saw something in me and decided to take me under her wing. Whatever her reasoning was, she taught me a lot of things, good and bad, of how I wanted to be to others. She was literally my only friend. And then she got sick. She had a lump in her breast for years that was bothering her, but she never mentioned anything until it was painful and huge. Now, I'm not 100% sure of how everything went down and in what order everything happened, but I do know that the lump in her breast was absolutely cancer and it was in the late stages when she finally went to the doctor and they got it biopsied and everything. Shortly after her treatment for breast cancer, they found tumors in her brain and I believe in her spine too. My grandma was always such a lively person. She was always cleaning or cooking or singing or dancing. She was always talking shit to my dad or scolding us. Um, and then the change in her was really drastic and quick. Or maybe that's just the way I remember it. Um, who knows at this point, but it was awful. There is a memory I have of her that will unfortunately live in my brain forever. 
She had just had surgery to remove the tumors in her brain and breasts. She was in a hospital in L.A. Almost all of her kids and grandkids were there. And I say almost because there's like hundreds of us. So, you know, we all couldn't be there, but most of us were there. I remember the smell of the air and the medicine hit me as soon as I turned the corner to enter into her room. There was a curtain blocking my view of her, even though she was the only person in the room. The window was open, and she was in the bed closest to the window. I got closer, and I didn't really know what was going on. No one explained anything to me. I was just told we were visiting Grandma because she felt sick. And then I saw her laying in her bed with her head wrapped in gauze, wires and IVs and equipment everywhere. And she was so pale. I could see the purple veins in her hands almost perfectly. She was so pale. She was like translucent. We were there for a while. She was sleeping most of the time but eventually she woke up and we got to talk to her i don't remember conversations because there are so many people there and no one would really let me talk to her not that she would have given me much considering she was drugged up she barely understood what was going on anyway i didn't know she was drugged up or that she was dying i just knew that my grandma wasn't my grandma anymore um my best friend wasn't going to be the same person anymore and ultimately I knew I was losing her but I didn't understand what exactly that meant just that I was probably no longer gonna have grandma anymore honestly I I don't remember much else about that trip other than that happening But honestly, she was a fucking trooper. She survived for about two years after that surgery. And then one night, I remember I was sitting on the toilet, taking a shit with the door open because I was terrified that the toilet was going to eat me (laughs) when my mom came home. And this was weird because my mom worked night shifts And she was home at like seven or eight. And I mean, she would have been at work for like an hour at that point. Uh, She walked past me in the bathroom and quickly said, your grandma died without really even looking at me. Kind of like she was saying it to the air to like hear herself say it to make sure it was real. So I got up and I quickly cleaned myself and ran to her bedroom where I found her absolutely destroyed laying in bed. I didn't feel like I was allowed to be as sad as her because she was just my grandma. But I have yet to get over her death to this day. I have absolutely hated the holidays since the year she died. And I haven't found much of a point being close to family members. And I surely haven't found anyone who listens to me like my grandma did. 
And her dying was my introduction to grief, not death. I was introduced to death way before my grandma died, but the feelings that came along with grief didn't unravel until she died and death became real to me. And then the times of grief just kept coming after that. Around the age of eight or nine, I was attacked by a family dog we had. He was a big, beautiful Akita. He was a little dumb, to be honest. The dog was not all there, but he was cute. <laughs> Long story short, I had a toy he wanted, but I was told I couldn't play with him when I was alone. So I kept playing with our smaller dog, Kiko. Conan, the Akita, didn't like that I was playing with him. So when I bent over to pick up the toy that I dropped, he dropped me. He tried to grab my neck to kill me, but I managed to avoid that and he grabbed me by my forehead and ripped it off. I'm totally not kidding. He literally ripped off my forehead. <laughs> no exaggeration. I still have the scar on my forehead. <laughs> so while I was trying to get away, I turned onto my stomach and he grabbed my skull and shook me like a dead animal. He did that a few times, which super disoriented me. And eventually our small dog, Kiko, got his attention by biting his feet and I got up and ran. Even though he didn't die, um, the grief came when we had to get rid of him. I mean, obviously we had to get rid of him. At the time, I didn't get it. Now I do. But yeah, we had to get rid of him. He was rehomed after being quarantined and my siblings blamed me for it, which I mean, I guess they were kind of right. Probably not the best thing to tell your sister who just got, you know, attacked by a dog. But <laughs> I mean, they had a point. It kind of was my fault. <laughs> after that ordeal, we ended up losing Giko. He was not only my hero, he was our first dog. And he would always hang out in the front yard. And one day, he just disappeared. We spent months looking for him, put up signs everywhere, and we just never found him. I still wonder if he was okay. I always hope that someone found him and thought he was a stray and gave him a great life until he was old and passed in his sleep. <laughs> it's the only dog we've ever lost and I vowed to myself to never let it happen again. And luckily it hasn't so far. <laughs> I'm really bad at timing and I'm not entirely sure when all of these events happened, but I'm just kind of guessing. And I think it was a few months to a year after losing Kiko that my parents went to Albertsons and met a lady outside with a box of kittens that she was just giving away for free. They came home with an all-white cat with black spots and a black tail that was supposed to be my sister's cat. And we named her Tita, even after my sister. <laughs> she was extremely young like insanely young. 
She was not supposed to be away from her mother that type of young. My sister ended up not wanting her after Tita shit and pissed all over her bed. (laughs) So Tita came to me. And that cat became my absolute best friend I ever had. I don't know if she was greater or the same type of importance as my grandma was, but she came along at such a perfect time for me. So I was kind of a weird kid. (laughs) I mean, not much has changed. I'm still pretty weird. But I wasn't into a lot of the cool stuff people were into. And even if I was, I was not into talking to anyone about anything that I liked. I didn't have many friends and the friends that I did have, I was rarely allowed to see them because my parents were extremely strict. I read books and wrote in my journal for fun. Again, not much has changed. (laughs) I wasn't social or funny or pretty. I was just a kid with frizzy hair, headgear, uncool clothes, acne, and a badass attitude. (laughs) So when Tita came to me, I had finally found a purpose. I jumped into taking care of her. I had to bottle feed her and make sure she was pooping and peeing. I kept her warm and loved. I had a doll stroller that I would put her in and go all over the neighborhood with her that cat didn't give a fuck (laughs) as long as she was hanging out with me she didn't give a shit what we did i would dress her up and carry her and baby her she was my absolute soulmate she was literally everything to me we didn't have her long maybe two years before my mom dragged me to Mexico with her for a couple months. I remember I wanted to go because Mexico sounded really fun, but I didn't want to go even more because I had Tita. I didn't want to go anywhere without my best friend, especially not for months. We had been in Mexico for a while when we were on our way to go visit one of my tias in a city about an hour and a half away from where we were. My mom was being really weird. I could tell something was off. When we got to one of the neighboring towns to stop and like use the bathroom and get food, my mom stopped me and blurted out, Mija, Tita's dead. It took me a minute. I didn't understand the statement. That wasn't possible. She was young. She was perfectly fine when we left. She was safe in my bedroom. So I asked her what she meant. She said, Tita was ran over by a car. Your sister found her. She's dead. Now, here's the thing. Tita didn't go outside without me. She was terrified of being outside if I wasn't with her. I asked her how she got out and she said the words that have never left my brain since the moment she said them. She said, we think she left the house to go look for you, crossed the street and got hit. 
Also, I don't know how exactly, like, I don't know exactly how long my mom knew that Tita was dead, but I wasn't told this until weeks or months after this incident happened. Um, so I wasn't allowed to decide what I wanted to do with her. They just kind of got rid of her and then told me about it. They told me about it so long after that I had no choice but to move on with what I had. And the worst part about that one was that I was in Mexico and in Mexico, at least at this time, they didn't really understand why I was so upset over a gross, smelly, useless cat. My entire family in Mexico made me feel like shit for it. Literally everyone. My uncles, aunts, cousins, everyone. It was a fucking terrible time. And I still miss her so much. Now, I don't exactly remember when Pancho died, but he was only four years old when he died. And he died a year or two before I moved to Arizona. Pancho was our family dog we got after we had to get rid of Conan, the Akita, and after we lost Kiko, but before we got Tita. Pancho even got to meet Jiga, the cat I was gifted after I lost Tita. Pancho was a really great dog. So great. I mean, you could say that about any dog, but you know, he was, he was just smart and funny and overall just fantastic. We had really shitty neighbors that hated us for many reasons, but none of which made sense or were our faults. So it is what it is. <laughs> They were constantly trying to find ways to get to us. Most of the time, their ideas were stupid and ignored. But they also hated Pancho because Pancho hated them. They would taunt him and throw shit at him and constantly make him angry. They always did it through the wooden fence or would hop on top to antagonize him. One day, I came home to no dogs. We also had another dog at the time, Princess. That was my sister's dog. Neither of them were around and it was weird. I don't remember how it happened, but I think it was my cousin who was the one that figured out that they got out and was trying to find them. I couldn't do much because I was just a kid and didn't have very many resources. But eventually the dogs came back and they looked completely fine. A hundred percent okay. It took us about a week to notice something was off with Pancho. He was being really weird. His energy was low. He was eating, but not as much as normal. He wasn't playing as much. He wasn't running around the yard barking. It was just weird. And then the next week came and he dropped 40 pounds we immediately made a vet appointment. And when we took him into the vet, the vet was surprised to hear his symptoms because he was acting fine. They ordered blood, took some x-rays and ultrasounds, and we took him home. And then we got a phone call, I think a day later, telling us that it looked really, really bad. 
The vet told us he believed Pancho was hit by a car when he got out and just got up and came home. And because he didn't want us to know he was in pain, he hid it for as long as he could. The tests came back showing that he had broken ribs that had punctured multiple organs, including his liver, which was um, making him internally bleed and there was like bile everywhere and stuff. He had um, so much internal bleeding that it was close to impossible to see exactly what was going on without opening him up. The thing was, the vet didn't assure us that they would be able to help him once they opened him up. They didn't know if what he had was fixable. The surgery was a lot of money, but my parents were willing to pay anything if he was going to be okay. But they couldn't promise us that. So we called our dad and we allowed him to make the decision. And as difficult as it was we scheduled him to be euthanized a few days later my two sisters and i drove with him to the vet office in silence that day we went into the room and he was absolutely terrified it's like he knew it's like he knew he failed us he had always been our protector and now he had nothing left. They gave us a blanket and he refused to come over to it until I sat on the ground and called him over. When he came over, my sisters got on the ground and we all laid around him. After they helped him cross over, my sisters got up and finalized everything with the vets and staff while I sat there stroking his fur. I sat with him for as long as I could, and I honestly don't remember crying. I probably did. Definitely not as much as my sisters. My sisters were fucking wrecks. I didn't know how to react, especially after being badgered when Tita died. My relationship with grief was forever changed. Around this time, before Pancho died and after Tita died, I became mildly unhinged. I began rebelling in my own way. AKA I was doing shit no one knew I was doing. Hanging out with people no one knew. Going places without permission. AKA sneaking out. (laughs) And spending a lot of time trying to deal with my emotions on my own. I had a friend named Jamie. Jamie was someone my parents would have never approved of, therefore they never knew anything about her. I hung out with Jamie at night when everyone was sleeping and we had the entire world at our fingers. I met her at some school thing. She was from another school close to ours. Uh, They had some like school event with both schools and we exchanged emails, I believe, if not phone numbers. I can't remember. We were best friends almost immediately. Jamie was eclectic. (laughs) She was what most at the time would call a like goth slash punk. Uh, We loved the same music. 
We were interested in the same shit. We loved books and creating things. She expressed herself how I wished I could. She did shit without thinking or worrying. And she said whatever she wanted to, however she wanted to, because that's just how life is. At least that's what she said. She never pressured me or bullied me or teased me. She accepted me for who I was and the life I was living because I had no other choice. She saw me for me. She encouraged me to write and make clothes and explore my ideas. She supported me. And she actually loved me for me. There were no expectations with Jamie. Everything just was. There was never any trying with her. Well, Jamie had battles of her own. Her home life was bad. Her mental health was bad. Her physical health wasn't great. She was only a year older than me, but had the maturity of a 30-year-old. She had been through a lot of really fucked up shit I won't repeat out of respect for her. And one night that we were supposed to hang out by her house, she didn't show up. I waited for a while. She didn't have a cell phone and I was not about to call her house phone. So I just walked over to her house to knock on her window and see what the fuck she was doing. I saw the light of a TV coming from her living room so I knew one of her parents were home so I quietly walked to her bedroom window and knocked nothing I kept knocking and nothing I went to the other side of her room where the laundry room was to see if her laundry room door was open and it was I quietly opened it and snuck in as quietly as I could and I made my way to her room. The TV was insanely loud and the house smelled of vodka and cigarettes as always. When I finally made it to her bedroom, I got a really sick feeling in my stomach, but I kept going. Now, I'm going to spare you the details because what I saw will forever be burned in my memory. And I don't think anyone needs to have that image in their head. But I found Jamie in her bedroom. Surrounded by her favorite stuff. Blasting her favorite music. And looking strangely at peace despite the circumstances she had committed suicide. I quickly closed the door and left. I waited at the park. I'm not sure what I was waiting for, but the moment I heard the sirens and I saw the lights, I made my way home. All of these tragedies happened before I was 14. And saying this all out loud just makes it seem like it was just back-to-back bullshit. I had quite a few more deaths happen that hurt my heart um, 
during that time and between then and now. A lot, actually. Too many. But to be honest, nothing really destroyed my heart as much as losing the eight pets I've lost in the last year and a half. I'm not going to go into detail about all eight, but I will name them all just so I can honor them in some way. I'm going to try to go in the order that they passed. The one that started the whole fucked up domino effect was Papas or Noah. He was my big boy cat. That was the sweetest boy you could ever meet. He was kind of slow mentally (laughs) and often got himself into situations that he didn't know how to get out of, even when the solution was right in front of him. He died of lymphoma. He was loved by whoever got the opportunity to meet him. He often ran when people came over. Um, But if he was out, he loved to get scratches from people. And just loved to get love. Um, We didn't have people over often, but the few people that did come over, he, he did love them. And they loved him. Um, My boyfriend ended up being someone that he was obsessed with. Uh, They met each other and they became mutually obsessed with each other, which was absolutely adorable to watch unravel. Um, He was just an all-around great cat. He lived to be about 13 or 14, I believe, around there. Um, he was a really good cat and I miss him a lot. I miss being able to carry him around like a baby because he loved being carried around like that. And I miss his little meows and yeah, he was just a really good cat and ultimately made my life a million times better when he came into it. The next month after Papa's died, my soul dog, Ruckus, died. I could go on and on and on about Ruckus, but this episode would be years long. Ruckus and his dad are and forever will be the best things that ever happened to me. I met them at a turning point in my life and they brought me so much clarity and calm that I desperately needed and still need to this day. (laughs) Uh, Ruckus lived to the age of 10. After a long life of adventures and being loved by everyone who met him and he met a lot of people. Ruckus was diagnosed with diabetes about three or four years before his death. And I made sure my whole life revolved around him and his health. Everyone knew Ruckus came first. Ruckus ended up dying of ketoacidosis. It was really traumatic and 
possibly the worst thing that's happened to me in a ridiculous amount of time. I can't explain the emptiness I feel after losing him. I can't even really talk about him without wanting to burst into tears. So I'm going to leave it at that and dedicate a blog post about him so I can cry to my heart's content and nobody has to hear me. (laughs) I believe it was a few months after that that we lost Chloe. Chloe was my sister's dog. Chloe was abused by my sister's ex and she hated everyone, especially men that wore black pants. On the way from California to Arizona, she bit me three times when I wasn't even trying to touch her. She was terrified and violent, but I knew it wasn't her fault. So I gave her patience and time and space and love and I let her come to me. After a few months of living in Arizona and seeing none of us were going to hurt her, she started to come out of her cute little shell. And eventually Chloe and I became besties. She went from attacking me to looking for me and asking me to play with her. It was the cutest thing ever. Chloe was fine. She was perfectly fine. No signs of anything. Healthy, happy, eating, pooping and peeing fine. She was 100% fine. And then one day, she had a heart attack and died. We just found her dead. My mom said she looked a bit more tired than usual earlier in the day. But I guess it was just more than we imagined it could be. The thing that kills me about her passing away was that she was completely alone. And I just wish that I could have been there for her and held her while she made that transition. But, you know... Maybe this is the way she wanted it to happen. And that's just what I'm going to keep telling myself. (laughs) I believe it was towards the end of 2022, maybe the summer. I think it was summer 2022. Our dog Luna had a crazy nosebleed, like insane. There was fucking blood everywhere. She was gushing blood out of her nose for about an hour and then it just stopped and never happened again. It was so weird. So obviously we took her to the vet and they said they couldn't find anything and it was just a really weird situation. So we took her home. And then about a month later, I noticed a super small bump at the top of her snout. I'm assuming now it was right above the nostril that was bleeding. Now that I put it together. Um, We spent the next few months in and out of the vet. As the lump grew so insanely big. 
she was still the same old goofy Luna despite not being able to breathe because of the massive lump in her nose. It wasn't until the last month that it became really hard to watch her struggle through life. We tried everything to keep her comfortable and try to get this thing under control. We did surgeries and medications and everything. But it wasn't in the cards for her and we put her to sleep in her bed at home surrounded by her sisters. And I still miss her little wrinkly Sharpay face every single day. Really shortly after that, I'm talking like a month or so, Luna's litter mate and sister, Brisa, got extremely sick. She had non-stop issues. And Brisa was super healthy her whole life. Luna was the one that was always getting into shit or getting hurt or something. Something was always going on with Luna. Luna was always at the vet and Brisa just got shots and that was it. So when she got sick, it was a kick in the gut because it was so soon after Luna and she declined so fucking fast. I tried to be there for her through it all, but eventually she had to be hospitalized after she got really bad. She spent two weeks in the hospital going up and down, giving us hope and then crashing. One day, something something in my heart told me it was time to let her go. And that same day, the vet called us to tell us that she was doing well but she crashed again and after a much needed conversation the vet and I decided that it was best to just let her rest and I came to the vet that same day and I held her in my arms as she crossed the rainbow bridge hopefully her sister was waiting for her not a long while after losing Brisa, my fair Alice started showing signs that her illness was in the final stages. Alice unfortunately got what most ferrets get, and that's adrenal disease. She was pretty okay and living her life for a while before she got really sick. She had lost all of her fur which is completely normal for adrenal disease in ferrets. Then I noticed she started sleeping more and not eating as much, yet her belly was swelling a little. And then one day her breathing was off and she pooped herself and was just doing abnormal things that honestly just made my heart sink to my ass. And I immediately called the vet and told them what was happening. And they got me in within half an hour. 
I stayed with her the whole time until she took her very last breath. And then I took her home and buried her in our pet cemetery with the rest of her family members. Uh, We got a break for a few months after Alice. We thought we were in the clear for a while. We honestly got too comfortable. We let our guards down. Macho was this smelly-ass tuxedo cat my mom found in the dumpster at her work. He followed her into work and stunk up the whole place with how horrible he smelled. He was maybe three months old when we found him, not when he died. My sister went and picked him up and I was ordered to clean him and find him a home. Well, I did both. Except he still smelled for like a week after, no matter how much we bathed him. (laughs) And the home I found him was ours. He became the man of the house. And he was a fucking menace that carried on into his adulthood. That shit never went away. He was still a good boy. That unfortunately succumbed to heart failure out of fucking nowhere one day even the vet told us it was something that would not have been caught even if we took him to the vet every year as needed he was acting a little different for a day or two and then the last day was alarming how bad he was poor guy was struggling so hard but He's resting now and bullying all the other pets on the other side. (laughs) And finally, the last little rascal I lost hurt something deep. A pain as deep as losing Tita and Ruckus at the same time all over again. It was two days before Christmas 2023 and I had to say goodbye forever to my cat Jopley or Mimi. She left me to wither away alone in this world at the ripe age of 16. Jopley was a sass queen She was another pet that literally never went to the vet. (laughs) She never got sick. She never got hurt, even though she was a psycho when she was young. She had an undeniable attitude, but would also give you the most aggressive headbutts if she liked you. On her last day, she came into my room and told me, She was very independent and tended to sleep and hang out in places far away from everyone and always hidden away. Since all the animals tend to hang out in my room, it was rare that she was in there. And when she was, she was on top of me. The morning of her passing, she was just laying on my bedroom floor by my door, staring at me where I was laying I turned on the light and I saw her there. And I immediately knew. 
We tried feeding her and she gave it a legit shot, but ultimately walked away and laid down somewhere. I tried keeping it together when I called the vet to set up a euthanasia appointment, but I burst into tears almost immediately. They were so nice and so great to me. They were at the same vet office that put Macho to sleep a month before. The vet and I talked for a little bit when I got there, but she ultimately agreed that the best course of action was to let her go peacefully before her condition got worse. Jopley ended up dying of the same thing Macho did, heart failure, which is a weird coincidence because they were both tuxedo cats, not the same litter, not even the same age, but the same exact condition a month apart. Crazy. I tried holding her close to me and loving on her as much as I could before they put her to sleep. But in true Jopley fashion, she lightly smacked me and forced me to let her down. (laughs) When she was sedated, I held her little face and I kissed her little head over and over again. I reminded her how amazing and wonderful and beautiful she is and how much I'm going to miss her. And I thanked her for everything she did for me in 16 years. I told her she was okay to go and that I was going to be okay. Her heart stopped after I said that. And I feel like I lied to her though because I'm really not okay. Not at all. I'm hoping one day I will be. I know I won't ever forget them or get over it completely. I just want to be able to move on from the pain and the guilt. Step by step, I guess. The main question that I've gotten since I've shared this journey of grieving the loss of so many animals um has been why does losing a pet hurt so much and it either comes from people that don't understand it at all or it comes from people who are grieving as well or have grieved and are just unsure of why it's such a painful thing So for a lot of us, a pet isn't just a dog or a cat or whatever your pet is. Um, They're really important members of your family. Not only do pets bring an immense amount of joy into our lives, they bring companionship and fun um they can add structure to your day they can keep you active they can keep you social um they can help you through lows in your life when you're having challenges setbacks obstacles and in some cases you know they provide a sense of purpose in your life and A lot of people need that. 
the pain of losing them is often really overwhelming and it triggers a lot of painful emotions and some people don't really understand the depth of feelings that some people have for their pets but you should never feel guilty or ashamed about grieving any pet that you had or any animal for any, anything. You should just never feel bad for grieving in general. Just because somebody doesn't understand your pain doesn't mean you should feel shame for feeling that pain. I think this is with anything in life, but the more significant your pet was to you, the more intense the emotional pain will be when you lose them. Uh, the role that they play in your everyday life can also have a huge impact. Like if your dog was a working dog or if your pet was a service animal or a therapy animal, um, not only are you going to be grieving the loss of your pet, your baby, your, you know, little child, <laughs> little fur child, um, it's also the loss of, I guess, in a sense, a coworker. Uh, it's, it's in some cases you're losing your independence or your emotional support, and that can take a serious toll on your life. In other cases, if you live alone and your pet was your only companion in your life. Coming to terms with their loss can be even harder. Um, if you weren't able to afford the expensive treatment that was needed in order to prolong your pet's life, the guilt can be absolutely suffocating. While experiencing a loss of a pet is inevitable, you have to find healthy ways to cope with the pain and come to terms with your grief. Go through the grief, don't avoid it, and just come full circle. And maybe when the time is right, adopt another animal. If that's not something you wanna do, that's totally fine. Maybe it'll take you years. Maybe you'll never adopt another animal again. That's totally up to you. But if you're up to it, there are thousands of animals, I guarantee it, in your city right now that need a home. And you can honor your lost pet by giving another one a great life. So just keep that in mind. Everyone's grieving experience is going to be different. Um... But we all mainly go through the same stages, you know, denial, anger, guilt, depression, eventually acceptance and resolution. Um, some people find it more like it comes in waves or you get like highs and lows with your grief. The lows tend to be like deeper 
and longer at the beginning and then gradually become shorter and less intense as the time goes by yet still years after the loss sometimes a sight or a sound or a special anniversary can trigger some memories and that really strong sense of grief all i'm going to say from personal experience dealing with pet grief is that trying to ignore your pain will only make it worse in the long run and to really heal you absolutely need to face your grief and deal with it expressing your grief will require some time um, but you shouldn't bottle up your feelings you should write about your feelings talk about them with others who are sympathetic to your loss like don't talk to people that are just gonna make you feel like shit uh, you can join support groups. Uh, there's people out there going through the same thing as you. There's tons of people losing their pets right now. I see it all over social media. So I know there's somebody out there that is going through it or has recently gone through it. And you can find support through them. The point is you need to direct your grief somewhere that's going to allow you to process your emotions and move on from feeling like shit all the time. Let's get into what grief is. So grief is a natural emotional response to when you lose someone, like a family member or a friend or a pet, or when someone has a serious illness or you go through a divorce or any other significant loss. And it often includes intense sadness um, sometimes feelings of shock, uh, numbness, denial, and anger. Uh, for most people, the intensity of the grief tends to ease over time. And the episodes of grief tend to become less frequent. And for others, it lasts a little while longer. The grief journey affects everyone differently and it can be extremely exhausting and emotionally draining and this can make it really hard to do simple things like leave the house or even get out of bed. Some people uh, might be really expressive and public with their emotions and others keep all of their feelings completely private and never talk about it. Anyone who loses a loved one may always carry sadness and miss the person who's died or the pet or whoever. But they are able to find meaning and experience happiness again. And some people even find wisdom and strength after experiencing a loss. So, I mean, you can gain something out of losing something very important to you. So in most cases, grief is not 
a diagnosable mental health issue, it's normal for grief to have a huge impact on our lives and it usually takes a long time to adapt to life after a huge loss or even a little loss. Um, but over time, we can adjust and manage our feelings and move forward. Um, you do get a type of mental health diagnosis if you experience really strong feelings of grief for a really long time and they only get harder to cope with rather than getting easier. And if you experience intense and overwhelming grief that impacts your day-to-day life. Some people find having a diagnosis helpful. Others find getting a diagnosis has no use to their grief journey. It's really up to you to understand and move through your experience the way that benefits you. But just keep in mind that if you do have an existing mental health problem, you may find that your symptoms become worse or harder to manage after you have a great loss. Coping with grief can be really difficult when something intense happens like uh, the death of a child or losing somebody to suicide. But really, any loss can cause grief depending on how it affects you in your life. So things like divorce or breaking up, losing a job, uh, losing financial stability, a miscarriage, retirement, the loss of a cherished dream, the loss of a loved one to a serious terminal illness, Uh, the diagnosis of a terminal illness, the loss of a friendship, the loss of safety after trauma, selling a family home, losing good health because of an illness, an accident, or a disability, having a child with a disability or a terminal illness, or a mental illness, or a substance abuse problem moving away or separating from family or friends or even having an empty nest when children leave. Whatever your loss is, it's personal to you. So don't feel ashamed about how you feel or believe that there's only one way to grieve. If the person, animal, relationship, or situation was significant to you, It's normal to grieve the loss that you're experiencing. Whatever the cause of your grief, though, there are healthy ways to cope with that pain. And in time, it will ease your sadness and help you come to terms with your loss. And then you can find new meaning to life and eventually move on. The symptoms of grief come out in different ways, usually emotionally, physically, and in like behavioral changes. When it comes to emotional symptoms, people tend to describe the emotions of grief as coming in waves. I think I mentioned that earlier. Like one minute life feels like it's back to normal, and then the next 
you're finding yourself bawling your eyes out in the bank teller line. Grief can cause people to experience everything from sadness to anger to joy all in like the same hour. (laughs) You may feel detached from your emotions and you may be on autopilot most of the time. You can also experience things like you know, sadness of the loved one being gone, but relief that they're at peace. Some people yearn for a spouse after a divorce, but they're also excited that they get another shot at love. Some people feel guilt for feeling grateful that they no longer have to provide exhausting around-the-clock care for a dying loved one. And Some people feel things like apathy, anger, sadness, and regret at the same time while grieving the loss of a friend or a family member that you had a strained or really hostile relationship with. There's no right or wrong way to grieve. You just have to go through it and not avoid it. Loss can be a really extreme stressor that takes a physical toll on your body. It can overwork your nervous system. It can weaken your immune system, which makes it easier for you to get sick. Some physical symptoms that you get during the grieving process can include fatigue, headaches, nausea, restlessness, upset stomach, heart palpitations, weak muscles or joint pain, tightness in your chest or throat, having reduced or increased appetite, and trouble sleeping or developing insomnia or sleeping way too much. Grief also has an impact on your behavior. It can make it really hard to concentrate or complete tasks. A lot of the times people who are grieving experience things like confusion or trouble thinking or making decisions, feeling as if they've lost a sense of hope or direction. They have difficulty focusing on anything other than the loss that they're experiencing. And they often have difficulty remembering or keeping track of their responsibilities during the grieving process. I believe most of us are aware that there are five stages of grief. Um, During my research, I realized that they have added some stages of grief, but I'm just going to talk about the most common stages. So the first one is denial, which is feelings of shock, disbelief, panic, or confusion. You say things like, how could this happen? Or it can't be true. And then there's anger, where you blame yourself, blame others, or you're really hostile. Uh, You say things like, why me? Or this isn't fair. Or I don't deserve this. And then there's bargaining, where you feel guilty. And you have a lot of thoughts of like, if I have only done this, or if I had done more of this, or if I had only been X, Y, and Z. And then there's depression, which is where you're feeling tired, hopeless, 
helpless, um, like you've lost perspective, you're isolating yourself, um, you don't want to be around anybody, you start to say things like, everything is a struggle, what's the point, there's no use in tomorrow, things like that. And then we have acceptance. And this is when you finally acknowledge the loss and your new life circumstances and you prepare yourself to move forward. And acceptance doesn't mean that you necessarily like what happened or you like your situation. It's just that you have decided to accept that it happened and that you have to continue living your life. Just keep in mind that these stages don't always come out in the same order for everyone and some people go through certain stages and not others. Um, It's really common to move forward and then backward and then forward again through all of the stages in whatever way you need to and at your own pace. So if another person grieves differently than you, that's totally normal. So don't compare your grieving to anyone else. Do what feels right for you and continue on your own path. There are multiple ways that you can experience grief. And I researched a couple of ways. And these are the most common. So the first is anticipatory grief. This actually involves grieving before the actual loss. So this can be when you learn that you or a loved one has a terminal illness. Processing the grief beforehand can prepare you to face the loss when the time comes. But it's still important to not allow the grieving process to distract you from actually enjoying the time you have left. Then we have abbreviated grief. Um, Sometimes you can move through the grieving process really quickly. And this is what they call abbreviated grief. This usually follows anticipatory grief. So you can basically grieve a loss quickly because you've already done the emotional labor with anticipating that loss. And... Grieving for a short time doesn't mean that you didn't care about the person or you didn't love them. It's just grieving is different timelines and everybody grieves differently. And sometimes some people process it a lot faster than others and that's completely okay. Next, we have delayed grief. And this is when you don't immediately experience the emotions of grief you end up feeling them days or weeks or even months later. Sometimes the shock of the loss pauses your body's ability to work through the emotions. Or you just may be so busy handling practical matters um, that accompany everything like funerals and wills and whatnot that you haven't given yourself a moment to grieve until you've handled everything and everything's done and this is fine too it doesn't mean anything negative about your grieving process just means that you are taking care of things before you allow yourself 
to really grieve or maybe your body just hasn't processed the shock yet and that's okay too. There is another type called inhibited grief and this involves when somebody represses their emotions. So a lot of us haven't been taught how to process or even recognize our confusing emotions in general and especially the ones that arise when we're grieving. And as a result of this, a lot of people repress their emotions and don't even realize that they're doing it. But unfortunately, when you don't allow yourself to really take a moment and feel these emotions, grief often shows up in physical symptoms like upset stomach, insomnia, anxiety, or even panic attacks. So just remember, it is important to move through your grief and really feel what you need to feel so that you don't end up with physical symptoms that could affect your daily life. And then the last two types that I thought were really important are cumulative grief and collective grief. Cumulative grief is when you're working through multiple losses at once. So like let's say you're grieving the loss of a child and then your marriage ends because of the loss of that child. So now you're grieving not only your child passing away, but now your marriage is over too. So this is what they call cumulative grief. It's grieving multiple losses simultaneously, and it makes the process of grieving really difficult and really complex in multiple ways. And although most of us think of grief as something very personal, there is also a collective grief, um, which is where groups of people grieve together. And this usually happens after major events like war or natural disasters or school shootings or pandemics, um, things that change your normal life and things that happen as a group um shared experiences of loss tend to be something that i don't know if it builds community but it definitely builds some type of welcoming grieving process amongst people i've seen um especially after like school shootings i've seen it uh, after natural disasters. I don't know many people that have been through war, but I mean, we all saw a kind of a shift in people after the pandemic. So collective grief is definitely very real. And I think we're seeing a lot of collective grief right now with what is happening in Palestine and the Sudan and uh, the multiple other places that are going through a lot of really really terrible things. When should you seek help for your grief? If you're having persistent feelings of sadness or despair and you're unable to experience any sort of happiness, you might be experiencing depression. And if your feelings are getting in the way of your everyday life, it is definitely important to go seek some help. For some people, grief may not lessen 
even after a lot of time passes and that grief can disrupt their life and can affect their jobs and relationships and how they interact with society and often left untreated these conditions and these symptoms can lead to emotional damage and life-threatening health problems and unfortunately sometimes suicide so some things you should look out for um to see if you need to go seek professional help would be if you feel like the grief makes it difficult to do anything even simple tasks like brushing your teeth or even take a shower anything um if you have difficulty difficulty socializing um if you didn't before obviously if you didn't already have difficulty socializing and suddenly you do it's probably time to go see help having difficulty sleeping changes in the way that you eat whether you lose your appetite or you start eating a lot more than normal you start experiencing intense and ongoing emotions like anger sadness numbness anxiety depression despair emptiness and often guilt Um, having thoughts of harming yourself feeling like life is not worth living anymore wishing that you had died with your loved one Blaming yourself for the loss or for failing to prevent the loss. Feeling numb or disconnected for more than a few weeks. Um, You're having difficulty trusting others since the loss. And you're suddenly unable to perform your daily activities. Now, there is a difference between grief and depression, but distinguishing between the two isn't always easy since they share almost the same symptoms, but there are ways to tell a difference. Grief can be more of like a roller coaster. It involves more of a variety of emotions, a mix of good and bad days, and even when you're in the middle of grieving, you'll still be able to have moments of happiness. But with depression, your feelings of emptiness and despair are consistent, constant, all the time, always. And there are other symptoms that suggest that you may have depression and not just grief. And that includes an intense sense of guilt, thoughts of suicide, or some sort of preoccupation with dying, a feeling of hopelessness or worthlessness, your speech starts to slow down and your body movements do too, Uh, you have an inability to function at home, work, or at school, and you start to see or hear things that aren't there. It's super important to recognize that you need help before it gets out of hand 
most people who get help with their grief end up moving on with their life and finding happiness again and you can too so don't think that this is going to happen forever you can definitely get help you can definitely move through this and you can definitely move on with your life it doesn't mean you're going to forget the people that you love it doesn't mean that you're going to move on from them it just means that you're moving on from the situation so there is happiness out there after loss to be honest this was the hardest episode i've done yet talking about losing important people and animals in my life brought out a lot of emotions i wasn't expecting or aware i even still had but this is a part of my healing journey and it may take a while to be able to talk about this stuff without being overcome with sadness but i know i'll get there and everything will be okay again um, my dead loved ones would never want me to be this sad if they were still here and i'm making it a point to live the life that makes me the happiest in honor of their lives whether they were cut short or not um, i'm still dealing with a lot of fresh emotions considering my most recent loss was only a month ago and i am just beginning the process of healing from my past and any trauma or grief i haven't dealt with but i am excited to find more ways to honor their deaths and honor my life i know i didn't mention any resources at the beginning of the episode like normal but i did provide a few phone numbers and links to possible support groups I'm going to be honest, I've never used any of them, so I don't have any personal experiences with them. But if you're looking for something, I provided some in the description of the episode. I also provided some resources outside of the country since I have a few listeners from different countries. I want to thank you for listening to this episode on grief. There was much more I wanted to talk about regarding grief, but I didn't want to make this episode three days long. So I condensed it to Instagram posts and a blog post or two and another episode. The next episode will touch more on grief. I don't think it's going to be as long as this one, but it will focus more on coping and moving through the grief. I want to get more stories to share, but no one really wants to talk about their grief. And I totally understand that. A lot of people that I know are either fresh in their grief or they just are having a hard time with their grief. And it's just, I just, I get it. I don't want to push anybody to share anything they don't want to share when they're not ready. But whenever I do get some stories, I will make sure to share them in some way. I'm not sure if I'm going to do like Instagram posts or share them in a podcast episode. I haven't decided yet, but I am definitely going to share them because I truly believe that connecting with people through shared experiences is the best way to bond with others and grow as a person. And if you're currently grieving something, I wish you the best of luck in your journey. I know it's difficult, 
confusing and extremely emotional. <laughs> but it's necessary because the older we get, the grief only becomes more common. And moving through grief doesn't mean moving on from your lost loved one. It means loving them enough to continue living for as long as possible and finding ways to honor them along the way. We're in this together. Even if we're nowhere near each other and that's kind of beautiful. Thank you again for listening to this episode about grief and I'll connect with you again on the next episode of the Mental Magic Podcast.